You can turn in your Bibles to Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, hope you guys really just sent your hearts to the Lord right there because I, I, I really hope that my off-tune strumming wasn't too much of a distraction for you, but we just have an opportunity to worship God right there. And I think we take it too lightly. I think we look at worship as, let's sing songs. Oh, I don't like that one. Forget it. No, he's not playing it good. No, I like it better when so-and-so does it this way. Well, at church, they do it this way, or, or whatever, you know. I mean, I'm the same way. It, it's tough when somebody sings it a little slower, or, you know, there's not as many instruments, or, you know, you've heard it 50 million times. But if you think about it, you just had, I just had, we just had an opportunity to worship God. And is that not what we were created for, to worship and glorify God? We just did part of what it means to live, to be alive. And if we didn't participate, if we didn't give our hearts over to God fully, if we were too concentrated on our own voices, if we were too concentrated on the person to our right or to our left, we wasted it. We wasted it. We wasted that 28, 26 minutes of our life. It's gone. You'll never see it again. It's done. Did you worship? Were you, were you praising the Lord? Were you really seeking after His face? Like, man, Jeremy, thanks at this. But God, I want to praise you anyway because you're worthy, not Jeremy. You're worthy, not the person on my right. You're worthy, not the person on my left. You're the one who had the hands out stuck to the cross, you're worthy, not I. I must decrease, and he must increase, right? Well, let's pray one more time. Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you, God, that you are so good and so merciful. We thank you, God, that you accept what we call worship, Lord. You accept our trembling voices. You accept our hearts that get so afraid because of what we've done. God, we don't understand your forgiveness fully, Lord. Lord, you accept us when we have not been faithful. Your word says you remain faithful when we are faithless. Lord, we do ask that you open the eyes of our hearts, as Paul said in Ephesians. Lord, we ask that right now, God. We pray your scripture to you, Lord. We pray your word right now because we know if we ask anything according to your will... You say yes. So we ask, well, we know it's according to your will because it is your word, God. And I pray that everyone here would have the the eyes of their hearts enlightened, that you would become more at home in their hearts tonight, God. Or that you would stop us from sinning against you. You would stop us from offending you that way, Lord. We thank you for paying for our sin. We thank you for purchasing our freedom, our salvation for us, that it's not our efforts that do any of it, God, but we thank you that you did it. Lord, please do speak to us, God. Lord, it's nothing of me. Lord, I can think of so many other people even in this room who should be here and not me, God. But we just ask that you would use us empty vessels tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I entitled the message tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, I have three titles. That's why I'm not telling you because I can't remember all three. I have three. Right thinking produces right living. Right thinking produces right living. A commonly used phrase that I believe is misinterpreted. As a man thinks, so is he. As you think, 
therefore you are. As you think, therefore you are. And um, I really think that what we think about God and about how God works in our lives has a big, 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 can you guess? Big. big weight, heavy weight in our lives. It has a big effect on, or effect, on how we live and on how we love and on how we pray and on how we read and on how we listen during Bible study time and how we worship. And if, you're, and if you don't have something in your life that is invading every part of your life, something's wrong and that something should be God. You should see God as most important. You should see God as supreme. You should see God as most glorious in every area of your life. And we're going to cover a verse that talks specifically about that. It's 1 Corinthians, I believe, 10.31. I always get it 10.13 or 10.31. I always get it mixed up. 13.31, but we will we'll talk about it. But I want to open up with Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. So Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Remember, right thinking produces right living. Paul is going to expound on some Old Testament for us. Anybody ever read the Old Testament and felt lost? Like, what does that mean? Okay. Have you ever read the New Testament until that way? Okay, great. I'm in good company then. Okay. Um, because Paul does a Bible study for us. It's so great. It's more than these verses. And if you want to get the full grasp of what he's talking about here, read all of chapter 3. It's great. Okay. We're going to read 10 through 14. Starting verse 10. For all who rely on, the works, on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all, the thi- all things written in the book of the law and do them. He's quoting Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. You might want to note that. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Who are those that have the Holy Spirit? Believers, right? Non-believers don't have the Holy Spirit. Is that right? That's right. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They do not have the Spirit of God living inside of them. Okay? Tell that to some people and they'll get upset with you. Yeah, I know God lives in me. But do you believe in Jesus? No way! And he doesn't live in you. He that denies the Son, denies the Father, does not have the Spirit living within him. Read First John. It's all over the place. He that has the Son, has the Father, has the Spirit of God living with inside him. It's, it's interesting. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. If you were to just read that chapter or just the book of Deuteronomy and you came across that section, you would think it's saying works righteousness. Every alarm in your spiritual mind and heart would go off. No, 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 no. Ephesians 2.8, man. We're justified by grace through faith. 
Not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's so true. Romans 10, 9, right? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. saved. From what? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> what will you be saved from? What, what, what's that? From what? From Jeremy? Did you say that? <laughs> from my bad breath. No, I'm just kidding. What, do you, what are you saved from? Hold on a minute. I'm, that sparked something in me. Hold on. What are you saved from? What did Jesus save you from? What else? Something else. Not just sin. There's something else. Wrath. Wrath. Thank you. Thank you. You were saved from the wrath of God. Anybody know what John 3.36 says? This is nuts. We're going to get some little bit of thinking tonight, okay? But it's all turning around to the glory of God and for some great life application. John 3.36, this verse strikes me so heavy. It's not, it's not heavy in fear like I'm afraid of God, like, oh, God's got a baseball bat and he's coming after me. That's not, not that type of fear. Like, oh my gosh, like, people are living under this? Because it doesn't strike us if we live under, if we live under, and I'm not saying you do, but if we do, a lot of our culture does, if we live under the American view of God, this verse will strike you as strange. Listen. John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Those that aren't in Jesus, the wrath of God still remains. Not, not a wanting thing in our culture. Not a thing people will smile at you at if you witness to them and you tell them and if you, you know, don't go throwing around everyone's not saved, but if you know a person's not saved, I mean, they, they tell you, there's, man, no way am I following God, or, or I'm this, or I'm that, or uh, I got my own God. Whatever. It's like, what? Did you know that God's wrath still abides on you? This wrath, this hand that holds wrath that's coming one day, still abides on them. That's why it strikes me so heavily. Because there's people walking around if they have a sign over their head, it would say, Wrath of God, here. Wrath of God, here. Wrath of God, here. All over. Those that are not in Christ still have the wrath of God abiding on them. Here's the problem. So many people think, and we fall prey to it time after time after time, and I'll show you how. So many people think, Well, I'm a pretty good person. I do all right. I... I live accordingly, you know, I, I have a good family, uh, you know, I don't cheat on my wife, you know, I don't steal from my job, you know. God's wrath, that sounds a little heavy for me. I don't really think that. Nope, sorry. There's salvation under one name only, the name of Jesus Christ. At one name will every knee bow, the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one... No one comes to the Father but by me or through me. You can't get to God except through Christ. And if they don't go through Christ, they have something very heavy on them. Now here's why it strikes me as weird. Or why we are weird, rather. And I'm the same way. When things like tsunamis, hurricanes, 
whatever, I just named the recent two, earthquakes, whatever, go off and people die, what's one of the first things most people do? What's that? Go to a church. What else? Blame God. Blame God. Some cry out to God. Some cry out, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. When tragedy brings you to your knees, to God, all. Oh, praise the Lord. James talks about that, right? Okay. Blame God. Have no thought of God until something happens, and then, what are you doing? What's the matter with you? You know, like this little teeny, tiny man. No. You realize how small we are? You know how big our universe is? It's like something like 500,000 trillion miles wide. That's huge. Just our universe, or our galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy. There's other galaxies we know about, bigger than ours. Who's the tallest person in here, Robert Hill? I'll tell you. 6'4". To me, that's like, how's it going? <laughs> well, 500,000 trillion, and it's bigger than that, it's like 564 or something, I don't know the exact number, trillion miles big, and this little tiny thing wants to... Thank God. Okay. If that person is not a believer, there's another part at the end of that conversation waiting them if, if they don't turn to Christ. If they turn to Christ, Jesus was what? The propitiation of our sins. He satisfied God's wrath. Took it away, paid for it, took it upon himself, bore it on himself, took our sins, no more wrath. Praise the Lord. But here's what I find interesting. We tell people, if you don't repent, you will go to hell. Okay, I'm just testing your theology where you're at. Okay? You'll go to hell. If you don't repent, you'll go to hell. Why does it strike us so odd that bad things happen to people here still? So many times, even we as Christians, oh, I can't believe God would let that happen. Well, why? They're, they're such... Oh, they're not that bad. Well, if they're a non-believer, that's not even as bad as the wrath they could experience. Maybe God is, is causing, allowing some tragedy in their life, some pain, so that way they don't have to what? Experience a latter pain. Much more and far more painful. I believe God goes to the greatest extent to save sinners. When God runs after his kids, he is not slow. You read the story of the prodigal son. Who runs to who? Daddy runs to the kid. Get real. Are you serious? God is not Big God, man. That is, but but why, why, do we, why do we get that way? Why do we think that that's not allowed to happen? Why do we think that's outside God when something painful happens? When the wrath of God remains on unbelievers? That's, that's something to think about. But here's what I want to get to for us tonight. It's, it's not so strange. How many of you, when you sin... You don't, I don't want to show up hands, but I mean, you just a rock. And you just, you're Paul, Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. But man, you end that prayer with, oh, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
right? Yeah, okay, you're, you're sorry, you're repentful, you're remorseful for the sin you committed, but you know that forgiveness is waiting. It's right there. It's yours. But how many times do we go to God in prayer and we do this? I mean, does this sound familiar? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that again. Oh, well, I won't do it again. I, I promise, Lord, I won't do it again. I'll, oh, I hope I still get this blessing. I hope this still comes through for me. I, oh, I, just, I just won't do it anymore. I just won't do this sin anymore, and, and this other thing will come through for me. Wrong! Wrong! Whoa! Bad theology. Bad, bad biblical interpretation, whatever you want to call it. No way. Not do and get. It's believe and get. God gives grace freely, without charge, without cost. As Brian says, free dollars. It doesn't cost for forgiveness. But so many times... We go back to God in, 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 in hopes that if we don't do that sin anymore, He will grant us this. There are, oh my goodness, girls, can I, can I speak to you for a second? Not, this might not apply to all of you, but some. And, and guys, I mean, this, this might sound foreign to us, but oh my gosh, this is something I think girls, there's many that struggle with. How about eating? And how about shopping? And I, I'm not making jokes. There are so many girls that struggle... Eating, I, I've got to, I've got to keep so thin. I, I can't look this way. Oh, 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 God, oh God, I promise I'll never do that again. When they, when they do something to their body, maybe because of their insecurities or whatnot. Oh God, 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 I'll never do it again. Or, or the, the, the lust of shopping, of, of buying, of, of obtaining, of grabbing things. Of going to the mall for six hours with no thought of the Lord whatsoever or no thought of a starving child as we pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in our new clothes that we don't need. I'm guilty of it too. Not six hours worth, but you know what I mean. We all do it. And then you think, and then afterwards, oh, I'm, oh why, do I, why do I desire these things? Why don't I desire God the way I desire these things? Because you have a wrong view. You have a view that says, if I stop shopping, I will desire God more. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you stop shopping, guess what your flesh is going to do? It's going to yell at you to shop some more. Hey, you haven't been shopping in forever. What are you doing to me? Look in the mirror. You think, you think Johnny's going to like you with that? Oh. <laughs> haven't you seen what Paris Hilton's wearing? I'm just kidding. I know, I know you guys aren't there. I'm just joking. But some people are. I have a cousin who is. And it saddens me. That she worships the ground Paris Hilton walks on. But, but the view we have, and guys, we have it too. Whatever sin you're struggling with, sexual sin, lying, whatever it is, anger, right, short temper with those around us, those that we love. And the Bible says big things about family. And we talk at you. Have short tempers with our parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. Shut up, mom. I'm, I'm busy. I've got to get to the next level. <laughs> and I, I'm not exaggerating. There are people that say those types of things. I used to be one of them. I mean, if I had a child and he said shut up to me? What? Who, who are you? You're the child. I'm the parent. I don't think so. That, that did not fly. But that, that's sin. I mean, honor thy father and thy mother. That's not honorable. 
And as little as that is in our culture today, that's a huge sin in the Bible. It's one of the Ten Commandments for crying out loud. But we have a view for some reason that if we don't do these things anymore, God loves us more or God, God will bless us more. When Paul says, no, Paul says, verse 11, now it is evident. It's not evident mean. Not hidden. It's out in the open. It's easily seen, okay? It is evident there's a TV right there. It is evident that I'm sitting in this chair. Okay? Not, you don't need to be convinced of it, right? But why, why do we need to be convinced of this? Martin Luther said it best. He said, The doctrine or the article of justification must be incessantly sounded in our ears because our flesh will not let us take hold of it. In verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. How freeing that is. If you want to get freed of sin, get a right view. Get a right view. Get a faith only. By grace through faith only view. No works. Get, get every thought in your mind out of your head that says, if I do this, God will love me more. If I do this, God will bless me more. Paul is giving you one of the greatest exegetes, one of the greatest Bible studies from the Old Testament he can give you. He is explaining to you what those verses back there mean when it talks about cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. If I would have read that without reading Galatians, here's what I'd think. I mean, no New Testament. Just old, just reading through Deuteronomy. Here's what I would think. And this is just me, maybe. I don't know. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Uh-oh, I'm going to hell. Because I have not done all of them at all. What's James say? If you miss one point of the law, guilty of it all. That's why it's by faith. The promise has to be by faith. Not attainable by works. You guys say, man, Jeremy, I hear this all the time. Man, I, I've heard the grace thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. If you've heard it so many times, why aren't you living it? Why do you still beat yourself up that way? Why do you still say to God, I won't do it again, so you can get something out of it? It's not how God works. It's like, do we not think God knows the future? Honestly, I won't do it again. Yeah, you will. Next Thursday at 8 o'clock. You're going to do it again. I know it. it I mean, can you imagine if God just told us that? Can you imagine how hard we would try? Oh, no, I'm not. Here comes Thursday. And sure enough, what would we do? <laughs> Fall on our faces. Fall on our faces. We've got to get a right perspective. As a man thinks, so is he. You will live out how you think. If you think, ladies, guys even too, if you think you're not attractive enough, guess what you'll never be? Attractive enough. Pretty simple. How much is enough, though? And to who are you trying to be attractive for? God has already said to all believers everywhere, God has already said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What more do you need? What more do you want? Not TV. Not advertisements. Do you know how many advertisements you see a day? Hundreds. Hundreds. It, that's not an exaggeration. Think about it. Every time you walk in the mall, every window you pass, what's up there? Some type of poster. Some type of picture. That says to you, if you do this, if you wear these clothing, you'll look like them. 
You'll, you'll, you'll get the hot chicks, guys, that, that are leaning all over the guys in the pictures. Ladies, you'll get, you'll get the, the cool guy, you know, with the rock-hard ass, with the, the surfer hair. You'll get him if you wear these clothes. And, and, we, and we all pray we're attracted to it. Our hearts go to that. We're prone to it, right? Maybe not that. Maybe something else. Maybe intellect. Maybe, man, I'm just so smart. I'm smart. Never I'll fall prey to this stuff. I'm smart. I'm in this room. I should be up there. Jeremy, get out of my way. Vincent, I know. <laughs> Aren't you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love Vincent. But we need to get a right perspective because if you don't think right about God, you will live in a mixed-up relationship. You'll think things about God that aren't true. I was at my pastor's house last night having dinner, and we were talking about how it's weird when you talk to someone and then they say something back to you. You're wondering if they were even listening to you. You'll say, yeah, I think God is A, B, and C. And they'll go, yeah, I agree that God is D, E, and F. <laughs> what? Or you'll be like, man... I'm moving next week. It's going to be pretty tough. Just say something like that, and they'll go, dog food. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, there's almost no response, no reaction to, to what you're saying. It's this, this one guy, I mean, went so far as to just all of a sudden start asking him. He was explaining to him some theological terms and talking to him and helping him out with some studies. guy wouldn't even listen and turns to him and he goes, are you from Georgia? <laughs> Not even... I mean, I wonder if the Lord thinks that sometimes. Like, you, you go in Revelation. It is evident that no one is justified before the God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. Man, I better step it up. Man, I better go witnessing, or I, I better read my Bible more, or else I'm in trouble. No, 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 child. God's like, no, no, no. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Okay, okay. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. Man, if I don't start having a better prayer life, oh, I'm done for. No, 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 no. Wrong. Those are great things. And those are definite signs that you are in right step with God, that you have right thinking of God. But you got to get why you're doing it in the right perspective. Okay, there's one more, uh, maybe two more if we have time, maybe just one more section. I hope I'm making sense to you guys. I know what to do. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. If you don't read Romans on a regular basis, you should. I mean, if you just go, go, go look in the Harvest Bookstore at how many books and how many commentaries are written on Romans. It is, I mean, it is so many pastors, so many ancient theologians, I mean, just everybody. I mean, I mean I'm talking even just your, your common life application writers. It is so their favorite book. You guys ever, you heard of a book by Max Lucado called... Uh, in His Grace or Gripped by Grace or something like that? In the Grip of Grace. You know what that is? That's Max Lucado's commentary on Romans. I didn't know that. I was at uh, Barnes & Noble the other day flipping through it and I saw it. I was like, what? I had no clue. Romans is called the Gospel of God. So we're in Romans chapter 3. I want to read a couple verses. Verse 21 through 26. Romans 3, 21 through 26. Now, this is, a, this is kind of a new topic here. We finished the other one, we're in a new topic here, so you have to shift your minds a little bit. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 
and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be, <clears throat> to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is a powerful, powerful passage if you get it. If you don't, reread it at home multiple times. I want to explain some of it to you. You guys know the story of David and Bathsheba? Right? Okay. Anybody tell me what happened to David's kingship? after he committed those sins, Bathsheba and Uriah and everything about that, what happened to David's kingship? Was he removed from being king? No. Was he stoned? Nope. Why not? Didn't the law say if you do those things, what happens to you? You're stoned. You're done. It, it, it's Old Testament law. It's Old Covenant. You're there. It's, you're done. But what happens? David sees Bathsheba and I, it took me forever to put that together. She's taking a bath, and her name is Bathsheba. I, I didn't get that for a long time. I'm not going to be slow. But um, Caesar, you know the story, lusts after her, then he ends up basically raping her because it doesn't say she did it willfully, but it doesn't say she didn't either. Um, but he's the king. He does what he wants. In that culture in that time, if you said no to the king, guess what happened to you? You're dead. You would die. If she would have said no, she could have been killed. Okay, it's that easy. So we have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Okay? Makes her commit adultery in a sense. If she was unwilling, if he's making her, it's not like she's just, you know, committing adultery on her husband, you know. Then kills her husband when he finds out she's pregnant and her husband won't do the noble, or he does the noble thing and won't do the simple thing and goes sleep with her while his other men are on the battlefield. You're right, such a noble man. He doesn't even go in and sleep with his wife, who he has all the freedom to do, but his other men are on the field. He's like, I'm not going to have such pleasure and such comfort while they're on the field fighting, which is what David should have been doing. Okay, So David commits these horrible sins, kills off Uriah, a mur- or now David's a murderer, an adulterer, a liar, a thief, an idolater, I mean, he broke every single Ten Commandments in one little course of sin, or one big course of sin. Nathan the prophet comes up to him, tells him the story of the sheep, this guy's got a whole bunch of sheep, this guy's got one sheep, this guy goes and takes his one sheep over for his ten. What should this man be done with, David? Show me this man, I'm going to take care of it. He's dead. Nathan the prophet turns to David and says what? You're that man. You are that man. David turns around, weeps, repents of his sin, and, it, and scholars say it had been about a year since David had committed this sin. Okay, remember Jesus Christ hadn't come to the earth and died yet. Okay, so Jesus dies, or, or sorry, David repents, and what does God say to David? I forgive you. I'm going to restore you. You can stay being king. You're not going to be stoned. I love you. Okay. What a story of grace and forgiveness. It just melts my heart. It's like, oh, God is gracious. Think back to the other side. What about Bathsheba's dad? 
Uriah's dad. We don't know if they're alive, but what if, what if that was you or their mother? And you're a non-believer or even a believer. And that man does that to your daughter and your son-in-law and God turns to him and says, go free. No way. Uh-uh. He has to pay. The law says this. David must pay. God, you're not just. You forgave him? No. No. Not yet. I don't think so. Remember, Jesus hadn't died yet. There was no confess Jesus as Lord right then, okay? It was still by faith. But that's how the promise always was. It was always by faith. Okay? But can you imagine how, how the parent must have felt? You're just going to forgive him? You're just going to say, go free. Okay, think about it this way. What if you went to court for something like that? Your daughter had been raped or whatever, impregnated by this guy, and then he killed your son-in-law, and he's standing trial, and you're in the courtroom, and you look at the judge just, whoa, he's going to get it now. You're waiting for the verdict, and the judge hits his little thing, and is it called a dowel? I don't know. Hits it. Yeah, well, there you go. The dowel's a little thing. Okay. But he hits it, and the judge says, what? To the murderer. Get on out of here. Oh, go on, you. Just get out. What, what would happen to that judge? He would be off the bench in a heartbeat. It, the newspaper headlines would read, Travesty of Justice, Riverside Courtroom. Hmm. Here's where your change of thinking comes in. We doubt and get upset so much when trials come our way and hard times come our way. When shouldn't we be, God, how can you forgive me? I offended you. You didn't offend me. I'm the murderer. I'm the adulterer. Not you. You, we, We gave up every right we had with God. Every right we ever had, we gave it up. Sin. As soon as sin entered the world, all rights were gone. Humans have no more rights. But we're in a what? We're in a humanistic culture. Not a God-centered culture. Not a God-focused culture. That's why people blame God when bad things happen to them. They don't understand that God could at any moment just go, done. You're in eternity. You didn't repent. You're going to hell. That quick. But he doesn't. He doesn't do it day after day, after week, after month, after year. And we question His mercy and we question His love and we question when He does something in our lives when all He ever had to do say the word, think the thought, and we were gone. Eternal torture was waiting. Hell had its mouth open, ready to close its jaws, right there. Just oh man, it was it was tasting. It was ready. It was drooling for you. And God just went back off. It's kind of crazy. God doesn't owe us anything. He owes us zero. He did not owe us salvation. Salvation was the hugest act of grace man has ever seen. 
God allowing someone to live. So many people think, well, why would... They, they got a wrong perspective. Why would God let somebody live or create someone who, who's never going to repent? Why, and he knows they're not going to repent before he even creates them. So why would he do that? That's so mean. No. What's mean is that they didn't repent. What's mean is that they sinned against God. That might sound strange. It might sound a little foreign. Who's holy? God's holy. Who's not? Humans. Who sinned? We did. Who deserves the punishment? We do. Who doesn't? God doesn't. And the lack of reverence that we show him for that is is astounding. It is mind-blowing that at any moment God could have just said, you're done, but he's not that way. What do we read in Psalms 103? Merciful, slow to anger. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not repay us by our iniquities. We sin against this holy and perfect God every day. And he turns around and goes, I love you with an everlasting love. What do we read in 1 Timothy? This is a good and trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ came into the world to save, save who? Sinners. Anybody in here not a sinner? Yeah, nobody wants to raise their hand. You know why? You raise your hand and you say you're not a sinner. Are you saying Jesus didn't come for you? Are, are you saying that you don't want the blood over your life? You've got to believe you're a sinner to even know God. That's why, and, I, and I'll, I'll say names all day long. I, I don't care. I'll say them respectfully. Certain teachers on television, the feel-good message, never once, tell you anything about faith, real faith, not faith to get you a car, okay, or repentance. There's a big one out right now. He's got a book called Your Best Life Now. Okay, so he says some accurate things. I will grant him that. But I, I wonder, and, and I, I really say this with gentleness, I really do, how many unsaved people is he leading that church is full of thousands of people who focus on what? Money, prosperity, health, wealth. Name it. Claim it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's me. When God from the very beginning has always said, it's not about you, it's about you were created to worship and glorify Him, not the other way around. You weren't created so you could speak a word and get, oh, I got blessed today. You know? I'm not mimicking a preacher around here. I'm just throwing it out there. You can say it however you want. It's, it's so sad. God says in Isaiah, He says, I have created you for my glory. Man can glorify God in one of two ways. You can glorify God by His saving grace and saving mercy, or you can glorify God by His judgment and wrath. One of two. You got one or two. You don't have both. You ain't getting both. Okay, I don't think the Bible teaches purgatory. Okay? Okay? 
you get one or the other. Your friends, your family gets one or the other. The travesty is not why do bad things happen to good people. The tragi- travesty and the tragedy is how can such a just God let people go on sinning against Him every single day? God has the stars numbered. You don't think He knows how many times mankind has sinned? Six bil- No, actually, there's more than six billion people on the earth now. More than six billion. If everybody sinned once a day, which they do, that's six billion sins a day. 365 days in a year. I don't know what that is. 365 times 6 billion. I'm not going to do the math. Okay? That's a lot of sins. Now, that's just one year. What about two years? Three years? Four years? Five years? It goes on. Thousands of years, mankind is just sinning and sinning and sinning. And, and people mock and say, Where's your Jesus coming back? Oh, man, if you could see it from the other side of the fence, you would say, When are you going to come back? When are you going to turn and glorify the God that created you? Are you? Are you ever going to glorify Him? Are you ever going to pay attention to Him? He doesn't need it. It's not something He needs. One of the greatest things I ever heard, and I'm not going to try to give this sermon because I, I couldn't, is that glorifying God and being happy are not two different things. They're one thing in the same. What is it? John Corson? And I think Greg Lord would also say it. Pastor Greg, he would also say, Holiness is happiness. They are two in the same. Do what you were created for and you will be so stinking happy it's not even funny. You think new clothes make you happy? You think what you're looking at makes you happy? You think what you're doing makes you happy? It doesn't compare. It does not compare to how happy you are when you're full blast with the Lord, when you're in faith, when you're glorifying God. When you do what you're created for, you are most happy. Isn't it, isn't it funny? Do you guys ever think about that? The Bible says, shout for joy. Why? Why? Why shout for joy? Joy in God, not just, oh, I just, I just want to be happy. Oh, well, here, let me tell you how to be happy. Be happy in God. Get yourself so drenched in God and so saturated by Christ Himself, you will be the most happy person this world has ever seen, other than Christ Himself, obviously. Oh, no. I can't do that because MTV, because advertisements have my attention, because sin has my attention. I think that's going to make me happy. Do you guys know the Bible calls sinful desires, deceitful desires? It's either Ephesians 3 or Ephesians 4. Sin is so deceitful. It robs you every day of your happiness and keeps you from glorifying God every day. If you don't get upset that Satan's trying to keep God from getting his glory, which he can't do, but he's trying. If you don't get upset at that, do you not get upset, I mean, and I, and I say this with so much caution, do you, do you not get upset 
that Satan is trying to make you miserable, that the things that your flesh cries out for are to harm you, not do you good. They want, they want to hurt you. You guys know how Eskimos catch polar bears? Anybody know? Okay, they take, take a razor blade, dip it in some water, pack some snow around it, pack some water around it, put it in, or put it in a bucket, whatever, there's many different methods, and they let the water freeze around the razor blade. And they might flavor it with something. They set it out, the polar bear comes along, smells it, starts licking it. Sometimes they flavor it with blood, okay? Starts licking the ice. Oh, it's just so good. Oh, this is, this is the best ice I've ever had. I've never tasted this before. And since they, they usually flavor it with blood, so that way, when it gets down to the razor blade and it's been licking a cold... What happens when you lick cold? What happens to your tongue? Yeah. All right. Well, polar bears have a little bit tougher tongues, okay? But he doesn't feel it cutting into his tongue. And he doesn't taste the blood because that's what the ice already tastes and he bleeds to death, slowly and surely. You are such a polar bear licking a bloody piece of ice <laughs> if you're following sin. Okay? You get it? Slowly and surely, it will take its toll. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I wanted to talk about money, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to take a morning time. I want to do some Q&A. Um, let me give you guys some verses. Uh, these are really... I, I'm a stickler when it comes to money. Uh, go, if you want to, go home and read these verses. Luke chapter 12, verse 32 through 34. Luke 12, 32 through 34. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. Hebrews 13... Verses 5 through 6. And then for context, go back to Hebrews 13.3. If you need those verses, I'll have them written right here. I, I hope it makes sense, guys. I really do. Oh, man. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's pray. RJ, can you pray first? Father, we thank you so much, God. So much that you meditate back to you, Lord, Lord, and you. Us worshiping you, Lord. That's what we want to do, God. And we thank you, God, that you were able to minister to us tonight, God. And we pray, Lord, that we could take these things, Lord. And thank you for Jeremy sharing with us, Lord, and that you brought him to speak tonight, God. And we pray blessings on him, Lord. And Father, when we leave this place, God, I let pray, Lord, that you would uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so we can go out and be light but shine in the darkness, Father. Thank you, Lord, again, for just being so gracious, so merciful. Lord, I pray, God, that we just that after this uh, time we leave, that we'll be encouraged, Lord, to continue to dwell in your word, Father, and to chill with you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name, Father, that you keep us all safe until we meet again. Father, we come before you, and I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hopefully bless your name. Lord, we want to be focused on you, not ourselves, God. We thank you for your forgiveness. And I ask, Lord, if anyone in here is feeling the weight of their sin, Lord, I do praise you that there's godly sorrow in their lives, as mine also has, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that you would just restore them. God, that you would reach out with your hand of love and forgiveness, and you would just pierce into their hearts so much so that no matter what they've done, they're forgiven. 
It's a done deal. Every other religion, Lord, says, do. And God, you say, done. Done 2,000 years ago at the cross. Sin paid for. Not guilty. The verdict rings for us, Lord. And we thank you for that, God. Thank you that us murderers, us adulterers in our minds and our hearts, us liars, thieves, Lord, we, we have been saved by grace, Lord, through faith. God, we just thank you so much for that right now, Lord. God, I just ask that you just fill everyone in this room with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we go our way tonight, that you would just bless, you'd minister to them, Lord. I thank you that we are no longer under a curse because Jesus has died for us and we've been saved by his blood, by believing in him, and we thank you for that, Lord. We can't express that enough to you, God. Lord, help us to live accordingly. Help us, God, oh, help us to get our minds and our eyes off of ourselves. Lord, help us to look at you, Jesus, not ourselves. Lord, you were the one who created us. We didn't create you, God. We owe you everything. Lord, help us to glorify you, Lord, because we are going to be so happy in that day, Lord. And in the final day, when you come get us, Lord, and we see you face to face for the first time, we're going to glorify you, and we are going to be so happy, God. It's going to be great, Lord. We just look forward to that, Lord. We look forward to your return. We look forward to what you're going to do in the rest of the night. Lord, I ask that conversations would be held up in an appropriate manner, Lord, and that you would be loved and glorified. Praise you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.